0: Lori Hybe, Chris Harrington, and Aaron Courtney, three broads, bringing you stories and strategies exploring manufacturing topics that challenge the status quo while laying the foundations for future success. Together with special guests, they'll celebrate what's working and unpack what is not, so you can learn, grow, and succeed. You want to learn more about your hosts? Make sure to listen to episode one.
1: Chris, I'm, I'm been trying to figure out this answer to this question. I'm curious your perspective on this in general, but I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what do I want to learn in 2023? And I've got a couple of things I'm tinkering with, but I want to be really intentional about where I spend my like educational and learning time. But do, do, have you put any thought into
2: that for yourself? Well, every year I do take time in- at the end of December, start of January, and I kind of lay out my individual plans and what my goals are and what I want to achieve. Um but I can tell you that the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is I want to learn about beekeeping. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so fun. <laughs> our audience will know that, you know, I have a farm and we've Tried beekeeping one year, and we lost the bees at winter, and it was like, oh, it's so sad because we tried to wrap them and we tried to keep them. Of course, we're in Wisconsin, so it's a little challenging to keep the bees. But we have five beehives now, and of course, pollination is so important for a farm. So I really want to dive into beekeeping. So I know that's something that's a little bit more fun, but that's something I'll be focused on next year.
1: I love that. How about you? I was thinking, like, do I want to? learn an instrument, but I don't have time for that in my life. I don't have time for another <laughs> hobby <laughs> or sorts. Um, so then I'm like, what can I do professionally? And I, I think I want to better understand being a better leader to kind of this new generation that's entering the workforce. So I want to mm-hmm. be intentional about how I can best serve um, that audience and and make sure that it's, it's a good um, working relationship because I think a lot of businesses are faced with that challenge right now. That you know that the generations change, and um, that's something I, I I'm tinkering with that one. I haven't decided if I want to go all in with it or not yet.
2: Yeah, well, I think that's a great one for all of us. I'm curious for you, how many of your staff are of that younger generation?
1: The bulk of the staff. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so... I, I, I thought might
2: be true. Yeah, so we're, we. On our marketing team, we have a young group, but the rest are, you know, still that older group. So mm-hmm. um but experienced. Very different. Experienced yes. group. Not not old. <laughs> I'll, I'll put myself in that older experienced category. Sure, sure. sure.
1: Yeah. I'm transitioning to the experienced group. <laughs> That's where I've had this realization. But let's um let's talk about uh the guest that we have on the show today, Allison DeFord. Um, she is the founder of Felt Marketing. Um, her and her team are on a mission to strengthen the heart and soul of manufacturing for generations by helping manufacturers retrofit their marketing to make sales easier, modifying traditional systems with modern components. She's also your marketing expert on the Manufacturing Masters on Demand platform. Allison, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, glad so excited you're here.
1: to have you here, especially because uh, marketing is definitely my jam. So I know we're gonna have a super awesome conversation.
2: Yes, and you know what? I'm a I'm on Allison DeFord's newsletter for Felt Marketing, and hands down, it's the best newsletter I've I I I receive. So I'm always forward wow. to receiving it, and I learned so much from you and your team when you put those together. I know they're entirely so creative and helpful and it, it. I think they're just fun for me as I have conversations with manufacturers. So good job. And I would encourage Thank everybody you. listening to go sign up for your newsletter as well. Well, I'm gonna sign up you. for it
1: now. Yeah, you <laughs> should. you should. It's so, good. so good. My inbox is uh, very heavy <laughs> with the newsletters, but you know, it doesn't hurt to add one more. <laughs> You'll, you'll um, appreciate this one. Yeah, I'm sure. So let's dive into it. Uh Allison, what's the biggest opportunity manufacturers aren't capitalizing on today to make sales easier?
3: Love that question. I would say um they're still siloing sales and marketing. Oh. And they're not, it's a topic we've all talked about for probably two decades. And I still encounter it even with my own clients trying to get, you know, the marketing team to meet up with the sales team monthly, you know? And and I beg, I'm like, okay, give us 20 minutes, 20 minutes. You know, I know everybody's busy. And I think that I know that if you would unite your sales and marketing team, you would increase your growth, you would increase your profits, I guarantee you'll make sales easier. And that's something that we started talking about at Felt probably six, seven years ago. And we put ourselves through our own process. Mm -hmm. And we realized that we were still speaking our language, not our customer's language. Mm -hmm. And we thought, all right, what do people want more of? What do manufacturers want more of? They don't want more marketing. They want less marketing. They want more sales. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so that was a big shift for us. And so I've been preaching that ever since. You know, if you can bring your sales team, they're the boots on the ground. So if you can understand hear from them, the stories, the challenges, the wins, and and get ideas, the marketing, the whole reason we exist is to support them and to support customers. And I learned something, a phrase um, a number of years ago. I don't know if it was from Bernadette Jiwa or Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. I think it was Seth, but it was stop marketing at people and start marketing on behalf of and for them. Mm-hmm. So if we can shift that one perspective and unite sales and marketing, we will make sales easier. We will help our salespeople sell while they're sleeping and and to be of service. And that's the whole point of, of marketing. So what do you guys think? Am I barking oh, up the wrong tree? Yeah, absolutely no? not. I mean, I, I've
1: been... I taught at the local university B2B sales and marketing class. And I thought I always found it fascinating that the university combined the two into one course, but I also loved it because it really emphasized how the two need to work together and how they actually absolutely need to be working together. But it's still a huge challenge that I see. Um, As you said, 20 years, this has been preached. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why, why is it that difficult? I mean, it's, it's, it should be a seamless system. You know, the message is out there and it supports the sale, like you just said. So
3: right.
1: why aren't the teams talking when the
2: process is obviously um, what works together? Yeah. And I, I really agree with this as well. I know that on our team, Something that we've done to try to bridge just one simple activity that I can call out that might be helpful to others, and maybe you can add one, Allison, but we, our marketing team has asked the sales team, and we do this on a regular basis, what are the most frequently asked questions right now? So then we take that list and we convert it into content so that we're addressing the exact things that customers are asking our salespeople. Yep, yep. And it's so helpful to our marketing team because now they're hearing that the the information from that customer's perspective. So I think that's incredibly helpful. You know, historically, I think in manufacturing, when you go to a trade show, which is where many of, uh, marketers and sales have historically come together is in the booth. So they, that silo that you talk about, they're usually either in two different floors or they're in completely different buildings, depending on the size of the organization, but all of a sudden in a trade booth, trade show booth, they're all there together and they're working and they're handing things off. And, you know, so it's not that they can't work together, right? It's like, we have to create the space for them to come together. And sometimes just a basic activity can start doing that. I don't know. Did anything, do do you have a simple trick? Yeah.
3: Well, I had, I had a couple of thoughts. I think this really has to start from the top.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: It comes from leadership. And when I meet a leader that has a sales background, but they don't understand or value marketing, they typically eschew my requests to bring the two together. Mm -hmm. And I believe it's just simply based out of fear. It's fear of, I don't understand what this is. I still think it's smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. and and fluff marketing. Mm -hmm. And our sales team is the most important part of this company because we make the money And we just we don't have time. We don't have time to be bothered. We don't have time to take out of our day. And so that's the first thing I think it's got to come from the top down. Um, Second, I think we've got to overcome the fear and and simply say, you know, come to the table and say, as a marketer, I always come to the table and say, hey, I want to hear from you, sales team. You have All the knowledge Mm -hmm. you are talking day in and day out with the customers and with potential customers. So, I need to know what you know. I want to hear from you, I want to hear your ideas. And, you know, part of I think if you're a good marketer, part of our job is to pull it out of them, you Mm -hmm. know. And I feel like we're really good at that. So, it's, um, you know, like I tell people, you don't need special shoes and this isn't going to hurt. Like just, it's a conversation, it's dialogue. And Mm -hmm. trust me, I will artfully pull it out of you. And, and I just, it's a lot of times those little nuggets that they just take for granted, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, and the thing too, that I find, um, well, I'll give you a super quick example. I was meeting with a client and a couple of years ago, and um, my my podcast buddy Ray and I were doing, uh, he was helping me out with this team meeting. And we were basically de siloing and talking about marketing strategy for the next year. And I had several of the salespeople pull me aside. You know, they do this, they're like, so they lean in. I'm like, this must be a secret. <laughs> and they said, this is the first time we've been in the same room together. And um, I don't remember how long. And I mm-hmm. said, you mean with, with marketing? And he goes, no, our sales team. He goes, this is fantastic. Plus, you guys are here. So it was like a brick to the head. I thought, wow, okay, again, that is a leadership opportunity, not mm-hmm. a problem. It's an opportunity. Bring these folks together and encourage it. You know, encourage that dialogue. I want to see it happening daily. You know, have the sales team just shoot an email to the marketing um, director, say, Hey, I just met with such and such client. Here's a pic. We did a selfie. Um, this is a, a, something we just helped them overcome. Okay. There's some brilliant social media content Yes, because again, social media, that's a whole nother, we could do a series on that, but um, <laughs> you know, it's dialogue it's a two-way conversation. And I think too many people are still using it as an advertising, you know, speaker like blasting. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, that was a segue, but do you guys see the same kinds of things like fear and it's not coming from the top?
1: I think yeah. it's definitely more the fear and just the, the unknown, you know, cause there's like, you're saying yeah. it's a smoke and mirrors mentality, unless you're living in the marketing world. A lot of people just don't understand it. And I think they don't understand it more so today than before, because it's constantly changing, especially with what's happening in the digital space. So it's, it's almost, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. And I don't even know how to keep up with what's happening. So I don't want to touch
2: it. (laughs) Yep, exactly. And and I agree. It has to come from the top. I would also say that in my own personal experience, because I was in me manufacturing and I was a leader in manufacturing and I never really fully understand the role of understood the role of marketing. And I certainly wasn't collaborating like I should have been with them. Now, running my own company and leading marketing, I'm like, oh, this is great. And it's a lot of work and we all have to be doing it together. Right. So it, it really has opened my eyes for sure. But I think this is a great segue into something that you talk about a lot, which is the Wee Wee syndrome. Can you can, can you tell us what you mean by that and you know uh how you help
3: manufacturers overcome that? Absolutely. Um I I when I do presentations and speak or do webinars, I often share this picture. I don't know if you guys have ever seen me speak, but I found this picture years and years ago of this boy, and he's looking at his own navel you know, how you kind of make it, squeeze it together and make it talk. And mm-hmm. when I first saw that image, I thought of my cousins growing up and they were just always, it, it's like a guy thing, I guess, at least in my family, it was. And, <laughs> and it struck me and I thought, oh my gosh, this is what manufacturers are doing. And, and I've been guilty of it as well. So I'm not pointing with three are pointing back at me. Mm-hmm. Um, when you are more focused on yourself and your company and you're leading every sentence and you're about us and you're on your homepage. We, we do this. We're good at this. We're all about quality and solutions. If you flip the script and this is how you solve it, flip the script and replace we with you. So whenever somebody comes to your website or they read an email from you, they don't care about you none of us do we care about ourselves it's just human condition right human nature so if if and it's funny i was just working with a client literally an hour ago and they had made some changes to their homepage and they were doing some some testing you know changing things around and it said we're the xyz site for blah blah blah, and I went, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and then right below it, it said we serve this many number of the, and I call, I picked up the phone and I said, can we make a quick change? And they <laughs> said sure, and and uh, so we changed it. So think about it: we're the blank XYZ site for manufacturers. Let's just say to the site or your place for xyz you just you just made it about me the viewer um and instead of we help helping so by just these little tiny changes if you go through your content and you change as many as possible it's okay to say we sometimes because you know you, you do come from a place of of i or of we and you're talking about yourself but when you're leading every paragraph on your website with all about me, all about what we do, not, you know, people wanna know why you do what you do, Mm -hmm. but they wanna know these three things. They wanna know what's in it for me, why should I buy this thing at all, and why should I buy it from you? So the what's in it for me is the most important part of, of conquering the wee wee syndrome, I think.
2: Listen up everybody. (laughs) Just gave you the three rules. (laughs) I bet if we all went and looked at our websites today, and you know, just revisited that. And I love your place for that's such a simple change, Mm -hmm. helping, blah blah blah. I mean, really good advice there. Thank you for that. It's
1: it's not hard to change the context of you know the message, the focus of who it's on. That's what I really should be saying. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been a huge advocate of this for a long time. I don't, I love that. It's called that you called it the Wee-Wee Syn- syndrome. I don't know if that was your branding. I know I've heard, um, Kurt, our mutual I contact don't,
3: talk about it <laughs> that way as well. Yeah. Well, Kurt, Kurt Anderson swears I made it up. I don't know. So I don't claim <laughs> to TM that, but, um, i probably talk about it more than anybody. I don't know.
1: sure I, I just, I remember like, talking about it saying, you know, best practice is talk, to your customer, don't talk about yourself. And then he was like, yeah, the wee wee syndrome. I'm like, I've never heard it called that before, (laughs) (laughs) but I love it. It totally makes sense. And it captures someone's attention. I think when you just say that, like, well, what is that? There's curiosity. And so I think it's fantastic, very powerful message and it really can either push someone away or pull them into your website very easily Mm -hmm. if it's done right, yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah. great points. Um there's another phrase that you talk about Allison it's the non-personality disorder um mm-hmm. so what does it look like when a man- manufacturer is suf- suffering from non-personality disorder and how can they overcome it
3: to make sales easier great question um i think the thing that i see the most is when a manufacturer You could take their website, you could replace their logo with anybody else's and the messaging is, is pretty generic. So it doesn't feel like it's from anybody special or specific. Mm -hmm. So, and I love to use target as an example, and I know they're not a manufacturer, they're a retailer, but think about it. Because their messaging is so consistent and their visuals, and it's it's everything they do is about design. They talk about design a lot, so you you always you know it's a Target commercial before they even mm-hmm. finish or oh, before I you even so. see the logo. Mm-hmm. And so my um, my encouragement is this: if you're a manufacturer and You feel like, hmm, are we suffering from this? Go look at your website. And if it says, we are, you know, we're 50 years old, we're all about quality, uh, innovation, and customer service. I want you to add this to the end of that, like everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) If you can't, if that wouldn't make sense, no this is only, this comes from us, like, um, big ass fans. I'm a huge fan of theirs. Um, Mm -hmm. not a client, unfortunately, but I've always appreciated their very specific messaging. Mm -hmm. You do not, um, confuse them as being Acme, you know, manufacturing down the road, or it's very specific. Same with new pig. Um, the way that they talk, the way their language can't be confused for Mm -hmm. anybody else. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't have a personality, most people are afraid to adopt one, frankly, they're afraid to own something. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of go for vanilla. And I try to tell people all the time, quality is now a given. Mm -hmm. So Yes. If, if you if feel like you have to talk about it, go back to the drawing board. There's got to be something else that, and it's usually right under your nose. And uh, it's funny, I was working with a, a client the other day and he said, you know, you had the biggest impact on my business with one question. I thought, oh, what was that? <laughs> and he said, you asked me, what do you know that no one else knows? Oh, what is oh. the one thing you do or that you solve or the why that is different than everybody else? And this is my favorite thing to do with a manufacturer, small, medium or large, is to help them uncover um, their unfair advantage, because that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and then help them bring that personality to life. That's what draws people to you. It's that chemistry, right? You're not attracted to a building. You're not attracted to a product per se. You're attracted to the people typically that make the thing or sell the thing. You're attracted to why they started doing it to begin with. You know, maybe they created something that didn't exist and it mm-hmm. solves this problem. That's one of my favorite things about manufacturing. Is that they're solving a problem that with something that never existed. So they figured it out and they made it. Um, it's maybe the passion to give back to the community, but it's the why, it's the people, and um, that's the real power. So if you can really, you know, rid yourself of NPD, and mm-hmm. and really own that special gift of, of Marie Forleo um, talks about this all the time. The world needs that special gift that only you have. And I feel like every manufacturer has a story and a gift start inviting people in that's your differentiator. It's not quality and customer service.
2: Hmm. So good. So good. And I took notes the whole time. So (laughs) manufacturer or not sorry sorry it's
1: probably advice. rambly <laughs> no no, no. <laughs>
2: it's excellent
1: great i um i'm gonna <laughs> ask you the N- npd is that your your labeling or um i made it up got it okay <laughs> that's mine no because no, i i call it the sea of sameness so it's a sea yes. of sameness and and oftentimes when we work with our clients we'll put them stacked up next to all of their Mm -hmm. uh, our our competitors and like hey look y'all look exactly the same you're just hanging out in the same same ocean right now and who knows who your next client's going to go to because there's nothing differentiating you but no I love that it's so important and you're so true everyone's quality customer service you know that language is is not even promotable now because it's expected by the client. You know, the customer has this level of expectation. If you're not delivering quality or excellent customer service, they're going to find someone no. who is. That that's just a given
3: nowadays. For sure. When it whenever any kind of term or phrase becomes ubiquitous, mm-hmm. you've got to drop it and do something different. Definitely. Like there's a next level.
2: Yeah. You guys are reminding me of um have you heard of the category pirates no, where you focus so. on well I'll just throw that out there we should put it in the show notes that, that <laughs> there's a group out there they're called <laughs> the category pirates and they they talk a lot about creating a category um and you know so that you are the owner of that category And, you know, when we just talk about us being a product company, then there are probably a lot of uh, companies that solve that product need. But if you can own a category and you're creating a category and then you're educating on that category and you're so you are the educator of that category, then you're creating demand through that category. So as you guys are talking about how do you differentiate, that's like a whole different place you can take it to. But um, absolutely something I've been learning. So
1: I love that becoming option.
3: a category of one. Yeah, exactly. And, and most of the time, I think the most successful companies have invented it.
1: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, like remember Hertz and Avis and I think Hertz was always number one and Avis was number two. They started owning we're number two and, and this is why that's good. And yeah. no one else had embraced that before. So why right. not own it?
1: you know, it makes me think of seven up the (laughs) un-cola.
3: Exactly.
2: (laughs) Right. I love Or the thing I add to my old fashions. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, this is a good time to transition to um, the segment of, I just learned that. So Chris, let's start with you finish that sentence. I just learned that.
2: Well, this one uh, kind of unites Allison DeFord and I and all of us because in, I think it was episode 14, we had Darren Mitchell on the show and he talked about manufacturing masters and I highly encourage everybody listening to go check out manufacturing masters. They really are the how-to site for a manufacturing business. But I was just talking to Vince over there and he mentioned that there are now over 100 master's uh, on the program, the available to learn from. There are over three and a half thousand manufacturers using the platform, and these uh, participants are from over four countries. So Um, I'm just so excited about this tool for everyone and wanted to bring it up, especially since Allison, although we didn't say that in the intro, she's also a manufacturing master. So if you um, participate and subscribe there, you can hear everything that Allison has to say there as well. Love that. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, Well, I'll finish the sentence that I just learned that um, I thought this was really fascinating. Uh, When you look at mentors uh, versus sponsors. So mentors are people that are giving you some guidance and to some extent influencing the path that you're taking, where sponsors are more like cheerleaders and advocates and making introductions for you to help you with your career. Mm -hmm. Well, women typically have three times more mentors than men do but men typically have three to four times more sponsors than women do. And I thought that was fascinating. And that, that's um, some research done by Harvard business review as to, you know, why, one of the reasons why men tend to um, advance quicker in the, you know, professional world than women do is because they've got these, um, you know, mentors are just kind of giving some direction and influence where sponsors are making the actual introductions and, and, so the progress is moving
2: faster. Oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. And it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And I will personally try to put that to practice being more of a sponsor for everybody. So great. Allison, what have you just learned?
3: Uh, I follow um, Brendan Burchard's growth day app. I do it every morning and every morning he has a daily fire and this morning's was profound. He talk, talks about this a lot, but it was a really good reminder of how much time we waste every mm-hmm. single day, multiply that times days of the week between social media, just just scrolling, right? there, I, There's very valuable social media, obviously, and things you can learn, but just the aimless scrolling, filling your time, And watching TV or movies, which I'm guilty of at night, um, it's, I I think, a time I feel like I can actually turn my brain off and just, you know, not think for a little bit. But he said the average American spends four hours a day watching TV. Mm. And that, I think he said, three, two to three hours a day on social media. He said, multiply that. That's a work day a week, a full work day. Actually, no, it's more than that. It was 40 hours, 40 hours a week. So you work your, you know, your job. Yes. You have other activities. Maybe, you know, maybe you work out, you have kids, you volunteer, whatever. But all that in between time is being wasted. And he said, there's nothing wrong with entertainment, obviously. There's nothing wrong with, you know letting your brain shut down once in a while and just, and vegging. But he said, when clients come to him and he works with high performers all over the world and they say, I don't have time to do X, he's like, let's take a look at that. And he said, I helped them find two hours in each day that was otherwise simply wasted any, and so I, I hear that in my brain all the time if I ever think the thought, oh, I don't have time to get that finished. Yes, you really do. So I'll, I'll leave you with that. But I thought it was very inspirational for me and motivational to what if you just took one evening a week, you know, and didn't watch any TV or you spent an hour doing something towards reading or learning you could watch a manufacturing master's video in five minutes and learn one thing that's going to impact your business and then go watch TV. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, and there's thousands of hours of video on there. So yeah, that, that was interesting.
2: Yeah.
1: Wow. So, I'm, I'm feeling guilty for binge watching Wednesday on Netflix. <laughs> but-
2: <laughs> I'm definitely guilty of, you. of that. And I think, you know, it goes back to your first question, Lori, you know, is there anything intentional you want to learn? Yeah. yeah. So now we just found the time, right? Yeah, now we yep, just got to pick pick the thing we want to learn and, and we have time for it. So Love thank it. you. Absolutely.
1: Allison, this has been great. Uh, if anyone was interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can
3: reach you? Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for Allison DeFord. I am very active on the platform, or you can feel free to email me, Allison at feltmarketing.com. Love to strike up a conversation.
1: All right. Wonderful. Well, this wraps up our show. We'll include all of Allison's details in the show notes. And we look forward to seeing you on our next show. Thank you, Allison.
3: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate what you guys are doing
0: this wraps up today's broadcast if you're looking to shake up the status quo at your organization or just want to connect with these broads visit mfgbroadcasts.com. contact Lori Hybe for your strategic digital marketing initiatives contact Chris Harrington for OEM and aftermarket digital solutions and contact Aaron Courtney for web-based solutions for your complex business problems We've got a great offer specifically for our listeners. You can find more information about the offers and your hosts at mfgbroadcast.com.